tonight here at Ground Zero Ministries, we're going to continue to talk about Jesus. And tonight, I'm going to talk about decisions. You know, in step three, is that we've made a decision to turn our lives and our wills over to the care of God. Um, as I've talked about before, you know, the first three steps are things that, you know, are principles that appear in our life repeatedly, you know, and it's very similar to shoots and ladders. You know, I take my power back, I try to control, I try to manipulate, I try to manage, then therefore I'm not powerless, so I find myself in chaos, you know, I take back my will from God, I don't trust Him, I don't believe that He's going to take care of XYZ, so I then need to help Him because He's being slow, or He's not paying attention to me, or He's not answering my prayers fast enough. So then I jump back into step one, and I, I take back my power, and then I try to manipulate and control, and then chaos happens. So then I surrender again, but then I have to believe again. You know, I have to believe that he's going to restore, you know, and then I have to turn my will over, and then I take my will back. Does this sound familiar to anyone? You know, I think that it's it's something that we constantly will be wrestling with. However, I think that the more that we establish these pillars, principles, and that we understand that, you know, I have to trust Jesus if I'm going to get through whatever it is that I'm facing. Because my way doesn't work. Your way doesn't work. You know, so we have to make this decision. You know, and I don't think it's a one-time decision. I think that it's a, a multiple times I have to choose. I have to commit. I have to choose. I have to commit. I have to arrest every thought, bring it back to the obedience, you know, of Christ, back to the obedience of the Word of God. I have to constantly be turning back to Jesus and asking for strength. You know, see, I think that we can admit that our lives are un, that are unmanageable and out of control in one area or another. You know, But then it's like, is God going to restore that? You know, and then the ifs and whens come in. Well, you know, when will he, if he will, you know, and then we go back and forth with, you know, trusting him. You know, and many of us have had screwed up, you know, childhoods and, you know, and it's hard for us to trust people. You know, and the only person that we can trust is ourselves. But then if we really ask ourselves, do I trust myself? And the answer is no. You know, so if I can't trust myself, then I can't trust anybody. So then I can't trust God. So I have to do everything myself, but I can't trust myself. Like this is the repeated cycle that I go around and around and around in. You know, and it creates this chaos in my mind and it creates this unmanageability in my life. You know, but we have to come to believe that God's going to restore. What's He going to restore? You know, our sanity. You know, our sobriety, our relationships, you know, our faith, our finances, our health. You know, there's many different things that we have to believe that God's going to direct us through the things that we're struggling with. Because I know if I do it my way, typically it doesn't end up the way that I'd hoped even though I do a really good job of planning it out in my head, but all the different characters that are in my life don't behave. If everyone just do what I want them to do, then I would have this perfect little life, right? 
but no one behaves themselves and they think that they should just be able to do whatever they want to do and it screws up my plans. And then God doesn't behave. He's not doing what I'm praying. You know, and then, man, you know, it's like if everybody would just behave and do what I want them to do, then Tom could have a perfect little life. And it's just, it's insanity to think that that's the way that anything's going to happen. But yet, that's default. You know, I, I want to control. I want to manipulate. I want people to do what I want them to do. You know, or I surrender and I believe that the more that I understand that I have to release my control and power to God because he's all-powerful and he's in control, that I stop trying to play God, and then he begins to align me with his will as I surrender more and more and more. And then before you know it, like breakthrough happens in one area or another. You know, but, you know, I know that each one of us in here on some level is in their process of having a relationship with Jesus. You know, many of us in here have had breakthrough in one area or another, but yet there's still areas in our lives that we're still stuck. You know, and the areas that we're still stuck in can create this mindset or cycle of failure. And we don't handle failure very well, do we? You know, it it creates a lot of guilt, fear, anger, bitterness, you know, depression, anxiety, you know, and it's like, you know, am I ever going to get free of this? You know, and <clears throat> I like to, 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 to take something that's really small and make it really big, you know, and then it's like, I got to get this one thing figured out. And then the rest of my life used to fall apart. You know, I'm a very good codependent. So I would fix the worst woman I could possibly find that can't ever tell the truth and I would try to make their lives better because I'm going to save them. And then they would lie to me and cheat on me and run away and I would be devastated. How could they do that to me? I'm so amazing. And this would be the cycle in my life because I was taught codependency as a, a, a very young boy and I lived it out as a man, you know, and I came to realize that I can't fix anyone. I can't change anyone. I'm not saving anyone. I can't even save myself. I can't even fix myself. So what am I thinking that I'm going to do that for anybody else? Like God humbled me in such a way that it realized, like, if I don't get Jesus in these areas, I am utterly helpless. And yet here I am trying to save the world. Well, just females, really. But, you know... And we're not going to talk about the sexual side of those relationships because that's that's okay when you're living in sin. Oh wait, no, it's not. You know, and it's like I'm trying to do things that are sinful and wondering why they're not working out. You know, and so as Jesus brought me into this deeper relationship with Him, He started taking these areas and and fixing them against my permission. Because I didn't have the ability to do it my way. So he started showing me if I surrender it and do it his way, even though I disagreed a lot of times, breakthroughs started to happen. You know, and I would fight with him so much, telling him how these aren't going to work, and this isn't going to work, and you need to do it this way, and I've prayed, and you should listen. You know, and I'm going around and around fighting with God. 
you know, thinking that my opinion matters. Meanwhile, when I, I don't get what I want, I throw little temper tantrums and, and, you know, and do a little backslide for a hot minute, you know. And what I've realized is that I have barriers of my pride that get in the way of me truly getting breakthrough because I want it my way. Or I have a barrier of fear that I'm afraid to trust him so I don't take that next step when he says, here, do this. I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. And I, I make up all these excuses in my mind how it's not going to work. You know, or I have a barrier of guilt because I'm still sinning in one area or another. You know, so therefore I, I don't think that he can give me breakthrough because I know how much of a sinner I am. So I, I know that God's super holy and he's not gonna, he's not gonna bless me because I'm a sinner. You know, and I have this religiousness that's clouding my judgment because I've been told that anytime I sin, I'm gonna go to hell. You know, or I have a barrier of worry. You know, that I don't know what he's going to do, and I don't know how he's going to do it, and I don't know what my future looks like, and I don't know if he's going to give me what I want. I, you know, I'm spending all my time in the future worrying about this or that, and I stop taking care of what I can do today. Or I doubt him. I have a barrier of doubt that I don't think that he wants to take care of me. I don't think that he really loves me. I know that you tell me that he loves me, but I don't really think he loves me because if he really knew me, I mean, ooh, you don't really want to love me. I don't even love myself. So it's like, how could God possibly love me? Look at all the stuff I did wrong. And we have the complete defense argument that goes on between our ears no matter what it is, that we are the worst defense attorneys because we're almost the prosecutors. You know, and then the enemy jumps in there and he brings some accusations and we're like, yeah, you're right. You know, yeah, I agree with you. And God's like, no, I love you. Like, no, no, he's right. I am horrible. You know, and we prosecute ourselves and we allow the enemy to accuse us and God's over here trying to love us, but we don't let him. You know, and it's like shoots and ladders. We're back to being powerless. We're back to being you know, in control. We're back to not really believing that God can restore us. See, I remember sitting in an AA meeting, you know, and at the beginning of every meeting, you know, they read the steps. You know, there's a, a several different readings they read, and, you know, if you go to enough meetings, you kind of just tune it out. You're not really paying attention. You're just waiting for it to get over so you can kind of not pay attention to the rest of the meeting either, but it's like, come on, hurry up so I can not pay attention so I can leave. <clears throat> You know, but every once in a while, the Holy Spirit, you know, moves. You know, they call it a God consciousness, you know, that flows through the room, that whatever you're going through that day seems to come up as a topic. And I remember sitting there, and somebody's reading the steps, and I came to believe that God could restore my, you know, to sanity. And I'm like, Jesus is the only one that can restore Well, do I believe that Jesus can restore? What do I believe about Jesus? He can restore anything he wants to. You know, and I'm going off on this, you know, my mind's in a completely different place. My body's sitting there in a chair, but my brain now is like on, you know, a whole new journey of what it means to, to be restored or have restoration in Christ. And I'm like, he can do anything he wants to do. You know, if he could, you know, saved me, because I didn't think that was possible, and at this point I knew that I was saved, that he can restore areas of my life. Like, he can restore anything, anything, right? 
And I think that this is a very important piece to our puzzle. Because if I don't believe that he can restore me, fill in the blank of what I need to have restored, whether it's my finances or my children or my health or my family or a relationship of some sort, you know, that's severed. If I don't believe that God can restore it, I'm going to constantly try to fix it my way. So I'm always going to gravitate back to control and manipulation because I don't trust that Jesus can restore. So this is a very key you know, element right in the middle of this. That do you really believe that Jesus is going to restore fill in the blank? Is he going to take care of your kids? Is he going to take care of your finances? Is he going to take care of your health? Is he going to restore you in spite of the area of sin that you're still struggling in? Does it matter that you're struggling in the sin? Can he restore you anyway? Can he literally pull you out of the darkest place that you've ever been and put your feet on solid ground? You know, these are the things that we have to start to believe about Jesus. In spite of me and what I might be doing wrong. Because see, somewhere somebody taught me that if I'm doing something wrong, that I'm not capable of being loved. Right? And a lot of us struggle with this love component, that God loves me, yeah, right. You know, it's like as much as we hear it, we might sing it, but yet when it comes down to the reality of what goes on in my mind or what goes on in my heart, I don't know if he really does. Can he, can he, can he really love me? See, if we don't get this completely to the depths of who we are, if I don't believe that I can be loved by Jesus, all these other things don't fall into place. Because I will continue to sabotage it. But if I can be loved by Jesus, it helps me to sit still long enough for him to do miracles. Because he doesn't need my help to do miracles. I think sometimes he, he waits for me to finally get out of the way, and then he's like, ta-da, look what I can do. You know, but see, I have to choose. I have to choose to commit. I have to choose to trust. I have to choose to believe. I have to choose to be loved. I have to choose to love back. You know, these are the decisions that I have to make. See, I... And I think that there's a process that we have to finally make a decision. But then I also think that it's important that we have to hang on to some of these decisions. Because in James it talks about being double-minded that will you know, be thrown back and forth and will get destroyed. So if I'm going back and forth between something in my mind, typically I gravitate to what's the wrong thing. I never like bounce back and forth and then choose the right thing because that would make too much sense. You know, if I'm really trying to destroy myself, I'm going to choose poorly. Yeah, that sounds right. You know, like we convince ourselves like the, the bad option's the better one. Or the bad option's what I deserve because I don't deserve good things because look how bad I am. But here lies is a problem. Many of us don't like making decisions. We just kind of like go with the flow and just take it as it comes and, and it just falls apart. And we're like, yep, that's how it's supposed to be. See, 
My life's just a mess. And a lot of times we are afraid to make decisions because we're afraid to be wrong. You know, God showed me many years ago the method of asking questions. And some of you love that so much when I ask you questions because you would rather just have me give you the right answer because you're afraid to be wrong. And I just sit there and wait for you to answer the question. And you love it so much. Like, you're supposed to be helping me. What's the answer? I'm like, I'm trying to help you, but you don't want to answer it. You know, and around and around we go, right? Because I'm afraid to be wrong, so then therefore I won't answer the question. So then therefore I'll just ignore you, and then therefore I don't have to answer the question. La, la, la. I'm not paying attention to you at all anymore. I'm just going to go over here and destroy some other stuff. You know, because we're afraid of commitment. See, I remember I had this this moment. I was attending Celebrate Recovery, and I was asked to pray about taking this over. And I'd had enough Jesus to know that when someone says, hey, do you want to do this, then you're kind of supposed to. So I thought. And... I really struggled with the idea. It had nothing to do with running the meeting. It had everything to do with committing to it. Well, how long do I have to do it? Like a couple weeks? Well, why don't you pray about it? I'm like, I don't need to pray about it. I've been doing this for like 14 years. For someone that's afraid of commitment... I've been doing this a long time. For someone's afraid to make decisions, I've had to make several decisions. You know, I, I think sometimes God wants us to, to take on these responsibilities because it, it forces us on some level to stand up for what's right. You know, you give it away to keep it is the, the thing that, you know, you hear in recovery meetings. But isn't that the same thing as discipleship? You know, the more I try to teach you about Jesus, he has to come alive in me. I can't tell you to work on your purity if I'm not working on mine. I can't tell you to work on this area or that area if I'm not working on that area in my life, too. You know, and it made me make decisions that says, if I want to be a man of honor and integrity, that I can't tell you to do this, and then behind the scenes I'm doing something else. You know, that it forced me to stop being so indecisive. You know, I remember I had about a year and a half, I think, sober, maybe two years, you know, and someone from the church was challenging several of us to work on, you know, writing on a journal. I'm like, I don't do that. No, we're going to do that. I'm like, yeah, I don't do that. No, you're going to do that. I'm like, eh, okay. And then one day he asked me a question. It's like, where do you see yourself in five or ten years? And I got instantly scared. And my defense is one day at a time. (laughs) And I hated that statement. I've always hated living that one day at a time statement. You know, staying in the moment. I can't stay in the moment. You know, 
And I really had to deal with the fact of what was going on inside of me. Where do you want to be in five or ten years? And I'm like, I can't make that type of decision. And what I started to realize is that I've never made any sort of real goals in my life. I've just randomly ran around like a chicken with my head cut off, destroying everything I touch. And wonder why I've never really made any progress. And I started to realize that the reason that I'm not getting anywhere in life is that I don't have any goals. Now, well, the Lord orders our steps. I think it's still important that we have some plans. But we have to be willing enough to be adjusted when God says that he wants to take us in a different direction. You know, and I've learned that I have to to make shorter goals on my path to a longer goal. That I can't just jump to the end. And that's what I really want to do. I just want it to be over, right? Just like, boom, over, done, check. But there's this process in the middle of everything that goes on in our lives that usually we want to skip. Because I don't want to do the work. I just want the end result. Can I just like pray and poof, end up where I'm supposed to be? Isn't that how it's supposed to work? You know, he he transported Philip. Like, can I just like just end up over there in Jesus' name? But the reality is that life has work involved in it. You know, there's decisions that we have to make. There's commitments that we have to make. You know, and there's action that has to take place. And a lot of times, I put things off or I procrastinate them so long that truly me not deciding what to do is really a decision, isn't it? You know, and how many times have we, you know, done that and then we forced with a consequence and we're like, oh, well, I guess that's the way it's supposed to be. When we really had opportunities to make decisions to better ourselves, but because we're afraid to make a commitment, we just kind of put it off and procrastinate long enough until everything's in chaos. And we're like, oh, yeah, that's normal. You know, but the reality is, is that I can't keep putting off certain decisions. I need to start making goals and, and choosing to commit to certain things. First and foremost, that commitment needs to, to be with Jesus. But every time that I get to something that's difficult or stressful or overwhelming or I don't want to do it, how easy it is for me to take my will back. You know, and, you know, this is where the willingness prayer kind of came from. You know, I was struggling with a relationship with a a toxic woman and the relationship needed to end and it and it kept going and going and going. And we weren't really together, but I was hoping that it would go back together, but it wasn't supposed to be together, although I was still trying to make it happen. Because you know, God knows what I want, right? He wants me to be happy. And finally one day I'd had enough. You know, and she came into the place that I was working, and and instead of catering to her, I went into my my room at, at work, and I shut the door, and I said, God, make this stop. 
And he says, is that what you really want? I mean, it was quick. And it stopped me because, like, he really just spoke to me. And I'm like, well, no, I want you to make her behave. Just being real. Well, is she going to do that? No, she's not. I need to let go. And that's where God, give me the willingness to forgive and give me the willingness to let go came from. It's because I wasn't willing to let go of something because I wanted to be right. How often do we get dragged behind something that we know we're supposed to let go of, but we're still trying to be right? You know, pride is a funny thing. You know, and God has this this way of just calling us on our nonsense. Because it wasn't not even a week later. It happened to be my birthday. And since you're sober and a Christian, you have to, like, eat cake and go bowling for your birthday. Instead of going to the bar and getting wasted. Like, what do you do? Like, I don't know. Like, this whole new birthday stuff is weird to me. Like, i got to act like I'm 12 again. <clears throat> and we go to the bowling alley. You know, and sure enough, I run into her. And I've been praying for a week for the willingness to let go. And he says, are you ready to let go? Are you ready to let go of this addiction? Because I was addicted to her. I was addicted to the way she made me feel. When it was good, it was good. When it was bad, it was absolutely insane. But I would sacrifice days, weeks, months for that moment of good. Just a moment. Just a glimpse, a moment where everything felt like it was normal. Because... I needed her, so I felt normal. And that's not realistic. It's very dysfunctional. And what I came to realize is the thing that is the only thing that can make me somewhat normal, anything that can actually restore the dysfunctional man that I was, is Jesus. And I was expecting a person to fill that void. And she never could. She doesn't have the ability. You know, so I had to be willing to let go and turn my will over to Jesus so that he could take me where he wanted to take me. But that meant I had to let go of something that everything in my being just wanted it to go back to the way it was. But it wasn't supposed to be that way anymore. And that was really hard for me to deal with because it's not what I wanted. You know, and many of you love my expressions, it doesn't matter what you want. Because the Holy Spirit used to tell me that it doesn't matter what I want. So I freely pass that on to you guys. Because <laughs> either I'm going to have what I want or I'm going to have what he wants. I can't have both. Until my heart is completely committed to him, does what I want end up being what he wants. But until that happens, I'm still fighting him because I want what I want and he wants what he wants 
and I think I'm God, and I think he should submit in the name of Tom. I'm, wait, that doesn't make any sense. But that's what I pray. That's what I want. In reality, I need to surrender myself in the name of Jesus and say, less of me, more of you. I need you to really circumcise and heal and change my heart and renew my mind because it's chaotic in there. And it's funny to me because we go through these situations in our lives and then we get to this place where it's like there's no way around it. No matter how good we're at, we're good at manipulating or controlling our circumstances, it's like he finally gets us in a corner. And then, you're going to let me in there? You know, Revelation 3.20 says, Here I am, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him, and he with me. How many times is he knocking on something, poking at something, saying, let me in there? We're like, no, 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 I can't let you in there because you're going to do it your way and not my way. Let me in there. But if I let you in there, I don't know what's going to happen. Let me in to that painful place. Let me into that abandonment place. Let me into that insecure place. Let me into that broken place. Because in all of your efforts to try to make that go away, haven't you taken that little tiny stream and made it into the Grand Canyon? Will you let me in there? And I'm telling you, sometimes the hardest thing that we will ever have to do is open up that door into that area that... We're so scared to open it because we don't know what's going to happen once we open it because we've been spending our whole lives keeping it shut. And most of the reasons that we've acted out with drugs and alcohol and sex and food and money and careers and this, that, and the other thing is because we're running from whatever's inside that door. And he's like, can I just come in and eat with you? Let's have have lunch. And And it's like the most uncomfortable feeling. But if we're not out of our comfort zone, are we really growing with Jesus? How much can we really grow if we're in control? You know, I think that Jesus, in the beginning, he takes us on this ride that's unbelievable. Like, our prayers are getting answered, and we feel forgiven, and you know we embrace His presence, and His love is there, and it's like, wow, this is so amazing. And then He's like, "You ready to do some work?" Oh wait, 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 no, I don't want you in there. He's like, well, for us to go deeper, you have to let me into those areas too. And we've all resisted them. There's not a one of us in this room that hasn't resisted them in one area or another. Some of us are really good at like, we're like ninjas when it comes to letting them into certain areas. We're like, no, no, you're like self-defense with Jesus, you know, Holy Spirit, back off in the name of, you know, we're, we're really good at not letting him into those deeper places. But yet, don't we pray for him to heal us and then he tries to and we're like, no, not that way. Like you need to just zap it and make it go. And he's like, for us to grow together, you're going to have to let me walk you through this. 
Like, no, 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 that's not what I signed up for. I signed up for suddenlies whenever I wanted them. And he's like, nah, that's not how this works. I think that as we commit and as we're making these decisions and as we answer the door, that we have no choice but to grow with him because there's no way that I can open up this door and not get closer to Jesus because what's behind the door absolutely terrifies me. So if I'm really going to trust him, I have to start opening up some of the doors that he's been knocking on. I would even care to say that every one of us in this room has an area that he's been knocking on recently. And the fact that I'm doing that is driving me insane because he's been doing it, and now I'm talking about it. And you're like, man, this guy. Last week he's talking about repentance, and this week he's talking about letting them in deeper. Like, come on, this is not fun. Thought you know you're supposed to give me five ways to have a better life. Came to the wrong meeting because I know that I have areas that I need to let him in. You know, but it's work, right? Who wants to do work? Not this guy. But if I'm really going to follow him, there's some work involved, isn't there? You know, I just know, and I've known the whole time, that one day a week for an hour on a Sunday is not enough Jesus for me to actually get sober or stay sober or get any sort of freedom on any level. I am so jacked up that if one day a week is not enough for me. I knew that right from the get-go. Like, if this is not going to be a completely committed thing, me going to church on a Sunday, I'm never going to make it that I have to jump in with both feet and chase after him as hard as I've chased after sin. And if I don't do that, most likely I'm not going to make it. So from the very beginning, I've been running after him. You know, and on some level, I've taken the tenacity that I've chased sin and I've wielded that over and surrendered it at his hands and saying, you have to figure out what to do with all that. But I'm here I am for the making. You know, and he's changed me quite a bit through the years. But yet I still resist him because I'm human. Because I think sometimes we we do some of the hard work and then we get to a level and we plateau and we're like, all right, I'm done. And then he's like, no, 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 we got, you know, more of a mountain to climb. We're like, no, 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 we're done. In your name, we're done. He's like, no, we're ascending the hill. You know, we're never done. Because whatever level that we're at right now is not the end. We're to be more like Christ. That's the goal. And if we're not more like Christ, then that means we got work to do. Now, us perfectionists be like, well, I'm supposed to do a perfect. Like, there's no such thing. You're going to fail a lot. But one thing that I've learned is as I'm failing, try to fall forward and not backwards. That if my momentum is trying to follow Jesus to the best of my ability, I'm going to, to make mistakes. But if I'm truly trying to hang on to his robe, hopefully I fall into more of him and he helps me up rather than trying to run away from him and I tumble back down the hill for a while. 
I think that all of us get breakthrough in one area or another, and then we try to take our will back, and we're back with the shoots and ladders in it. I wish it was so simple that it was just one, two, three. You know, oh, check, I got that one, check, I got that one, check, I got that one, poof, I never have to worry about that stuff ever again. But why would there be a scripture that I need to take every thought and bring it back to the obedience of Christ? Because I'm going to have a lot of thoughts that aren't obeying Christ. And I think that we have to learn how to follow him. That I wish that I could walk in my own power and find freedom, but the truth of the matter is is that my power doesn't bring freedom. My power usually brings dysfunction and chaos. But then you run across scriptures like Psalm 143.10. says, teach me to do your will. So that means if I'm a Christian and I go to church and I own a Bible, I still don't have it all figured out? No. I don't think that we can do this apart from an everyday personal relationship with Jesus where he's guiding us into deeper levels of understanding him and that he's teaching us again and again and again. Even when we think we have an understanding, he's like, no, it's a little bit different. Come here. Do this, do that, stop doing this, stop doing that, don't say that ever again. You know, and it, he's trying to teach us how to follow him. That it says, by his good spirit, may he lead us to level ground. You know, that we need to be taught. You know, and what he's taught me through the years is that you can't fill a full cup. That I need to dump out some of the things I think I know. And I need to dump out some of my religion, and I need to dump out some of my toxicness, and I need to dump out some of my sin, and I need to dump out some denial and say, all right, fill me up again. And he begins to fill me with new things, which means brings new challenges, which means new doors to open, so that he can take us on to deeper levels of understanding and, and relationship with him so that we can grow into the men and women that we're really called to be. You know, in Proverbs 3, 6, it says everything we do, we put God first. But do we? I'm real good at putting Tom first. I don't know about you. You know, I'm a, a good Tom first Christian. Wait, I'm not supposed to say that. I'm supposed to say it's all about Jesus all the time. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. But how often do I put my will first? And Jesus is a secondary thought. How many times do I try to fix it my way and then when it doesn't work 300 times and I pray? Do my efforts bring success? Not always. Not usually. Rarely. So what he's asking us to do is everything that we do, we should be considering what Jesus wants us to be doing. So do we pray about this decision or that decision? Do we pray about not going here or starting to go there? Do we pray about opening up this door or that door? Do we pray about talking to this person or that person? I don't think that we need to pray about what we're wearing. I don't think that you need to pray about what you're going to have for lunch. However, I do believe that you should be praying about the people that you're allowing in your life. I do believe that you should be praying about where you're you know, trying to head in your life. What's your goals? Where you're, What's your schooling? What's your you know, employment, what's your vocation? Are you praying about those things or are you just trying to do what you want? Because I think a lot of times we try to do what we want and we wonder why Jesus isn't making it work. 
to you. I think that if we start really praying and saying, God, what am I supposed to do? Well, he's not talking to me, Tom. Then you need to sit still. But, 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 well, if he's not talking, obviously it's not that much of an urgent thing for him to be choosing. So maybe you need to sit still for a minute. I've learned to sit still. I wasn't always a sit still type of person. I was a go, 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 go type of person. And I used to get really angry at him when I wasn't able to go, go, go. And when I wasn't able to go, 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 I wanted to quit. And every time I was about to quit, he would ask me if I trust him. He Honestly, there would be times that I, it's like I wouldn't hear him for long periods of time until I got to the point where I was so fed up that I was ready to quit. And it's like the second I was ready to make that decision to quit, he'd chime in and say, do you trust me? And I'd get so angry. Well, yeah, I trust you. Sit still. And it would make me so mad. So mad. I would get so mad at him. And I'm like, you need to say something else because I'm tired of the sit still thing. Give me something else to do. And you're like, well, you haven't figured out how to sit still yet, so I don't think I can give you something else to do. And I would get mad. I mean, literally furious. Because I want to say that I trust him, but I still don't want to sit still. You know, and there was many a temper tantrum in the name of Jesus that got thrown as he was breaking off my toddler self where I wanted my little baba. And eventually I said, all right, I'm ready to do it your way. And sitting still became a place of peace rather than unrest. Now, I'm just explaining my story, but I'm sure that some of you are loving this right now. See, I think that as we make commitments to to seek him and follow him, that although there's a lot of action in following him, I think that there's times that we're learning to sit still as we still follow him. Because I can read and pray and worship and not move. I can still follow Jesus and not move. I can still open up doors and still not move. Because part of the being still and knowing that he's God is realizing that I'm starting to learn that he's God. Many of us still haven't completely grasped the fact that he is in complete control of our situations. That his complete love has been given to us and that he has a plan for us, but we got to do it his way and not our own. So in the being still and knowing that he's God, we're still learning that he's God and not us. And until he breaks off that in our lives, that a lot of times he can't fulfill his will in our lives because we're still trying to mess it up. You know, and I think that each one of us has to find certain scriptures that speak to us. You know, and... I pass out some of mine that have worked for me through the years because they've really helped me to to grasp this stuff. And one of those things is I would get so frustrated and want to run forward, he would tell me to seek him. And eventually I tripped across it. You know, seek first the kingdom of God and all righteousness and all things will be added unto me. Don't worry about the worries of tomorrow because the worries of today are enough. 
So if I don't worry about tomorrow and I focus on him today, that he takes care of me today. So if he can take care of me today, then he'll take care of my tomorrow. And the more that I've tried to dissect this, you know, couple of verses, I can't get past the fact that he says all. All is a really big word. He wants to give us all, but he wants to do it his way. He wants us to seek him first. He wants us to to work on our righteousness where we're allowing sin to be broken off our lives and we're allowing him into any door that he knocks on and then all things will be added to us. All is a pretty big word. What if he could give you your greatest desires and dreams, but it had to be done his way and his timing? Would that be okay? But when? It's like our instant thing is like, you know, now? Like, all right, I'll come in. Can I get it? You know, like, it's like we try to make these deals with him. But what he really wants is righteousness to be coming out of us. Because we first have sought him and that he becomes our standard that people see Jesus in us. See, I can't change my past. Many of us spend a lot of time in that. Many of us spend a lot of time in yesterday. Thinking about it, daydreaming about it, trying to figure out how to wake up today and it would be different. I did it for years. I spent many a time in almost catatonic places in depression thinking about how if this would change and this would change and this would change, then my life would be better now. And there's no way to change our past except surrender it to Jesus. And then on the other side, I worry about tomorrow. Well, what if this and what if that and this and that and am I going to get this? Well, if I give Jesus that, then is he going to give me this? And we spend a lot of time worrying about tomorrow. And I don't have any ability to change anything in tomorrow. All I have the ability to do is change today. I can surrender today and that influences my tomorrow. But if I'm constantly looking in what yesterday, I'm never going to be able to handle what's coming at me and I always trip over it and I wonder why I'm always struggling. It's because I'm trying to drive down the street looking in the rearview mirror. I have to pro- to bring this stuff to Jesus. I have to process it and say I surrender it. I don't know what you're going to do with it. And this hurts me and I'm scared. But here it is. And some of us have been hanging on to some things and I'm not saying that they're not heavy and I'm not saying they don't mean a lot to you. But it's killing you. And the only way that you can really choose to walk forward is making the decision to lay that stuff at Jesus' feet and say, I don't know what you're going to do with this, but use my pain. I give my pain to you and I, I ask that you would use it. Because I can't hang on to it anymore because it's killing me. And I I can't be afraid of tomorrow anymore. I'm going to surrender that to you. And and whatever happens, happens. I I trust you. And you're going to have to make these decisions over and over and over again. Because so often we lay it down and we pick it right back up again. Are we willing to let him guide us? Are we willing to let him take us where he wants to take us?
Are we willing to let him have our lives? Are we willing to let him into these areas that he's knocking on? Are we willing to let him direct our steps? These are choices that we have to make. It's a decision that you have to make, and you may have to make it over and over and over again because you talk yourself out of it. You've got the double, you know, mindedness going on. You've got the accuser in your shoulder. You know, he's telling you all the stuff about yourself, then you agree with him. You're going to have to, to come to terms with that and come to the realization that God's word is true, that his spirit is here, and that you have to do it his way to get what he wants for your life. You can't keep doing it your way and believe in the enemy and expect to get breakthroughs with the Lord. And all I can do is keep surrendering, surrender, surrender, surrender. But Tom, I've done it a hundred times. Do it again. You know, the thing that he taught me, Tom, if you're not learning, you're going to be repeating. And I pass that on to you guys. I know you love it when I tell you that. But if you're not learning from whatever it is, the mistake that you just made, you're going to keep doing it. So what is it that you need to be learning? I need more Jesus in this area. All right, then how do we get more Jesus in that area? A lot of times you know the answers. It's the follow-through that's the problem, right? So you just bow your heads to me. Lord, you died on the cross for us. You've forgiven so many of our sins, Lord. If there's any sins that we're still struggling with, Lord, help us to surrender those again. Help us to come into agreement with your plan for our lives. Help us to have such a desire in our heart to grow with you, Lord, that any time that we try to go the wrong direction, Lord, that our own convictions keep us. Help us to to surrender again and again. Lord, help us to choose you. Help us to make decisions to turn our wills over. Help us to trust you. Help us to know that you love us. Help us to to believe that you can and will do great things with us no matter how many times we've sinned, no matter how many times we've screwed up, no matter how many times we've run back to the thing that we say we don't want to do again. You're faithful. So, Lord, I just ask that you'd meet us where we're at, Lord, and I pray that you'd give us strength in these areas. Lord, and if there is a door that you're knocking on, I I pray that we would let you into that area. I know that it's scary. I know that it's hard. I know that there's probably going to be work that's involved in it. But, Lord, you're so good. You've proven it to us time and time again. So, Lord, I pray that you would Just meet us where we're at, Lord. You know us better than we know ourselves, Lord. And and I pray that your mercy is new every morning and your grace is sufficient that it's empowering us on to change. Help us to trust that you love us so much, Lord, and that you are in control and that we can trust you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen, amen, amen.